and welcome to the Courageous Mama podcast. It's lovely to have you back with me again this week. And I'm going to kick off this week by sharing a story with you. No word of a lie or exaggeration. So last weekend, we had some people over for the bank holiday weekend. So we looked very carefully at all the COVID laws and what we were and weren't allowed to do. And I'd stuck up all my risk assessments. And by the end of the weekend, because people had come in the day, gone for the night, come back for the day. And we'd done this all weekend. So by the end of the weekend, the place was a bit of a mess, a hullabaloo. And everyone had helped me to break the back of it. But you know what it's like when people have come and gone, you've got full bins. And then we had all these sort of great big supermarket bags full of leftover Fanta and Coke. And I always over cater. So the freezer was full of Hagen dust and chips and the fridge was full of leftover pizza that everyone had sort of shoved back in the fridge. And also we'd bought throwaway hand towels for the loos so that nobody had to use a towel to wipe their hands and they'd fallen over, they were all over the floor. I think I counted five overflowing laundry baskets that day <laughs> and we're in the middle of renovating the bathroom as well. So that's a bit of a mess too and by the end of the weekend the children were stripping their beds and their rooms were sort of half finished and it was all a mess. But I had gamely decided not to tackle it at all on the Tuesday until I'd got my podcast done and then I thought Wednesday can be the day for cleaning the house. So come Tuesday evening, I was just scraping some half defrosted vegetable soup out of a Tupperware, which looked more like a vegetable slush puppy by that stage, before my eldest shot back to Manchester, having come down also for the weekend. It was at that point that the doorbell rang. Well, as some of you know, we're on the fostering journey at the moment. And one of the things, one of the few things left on the long list of hoops that we've jumped through is that at some point or another, a social worker will turn up on your doorstep for an unannounced check of your house. Yep, you've guessed it. There she was. Hello, I'm a social worker. I've come for your unscheduled check. I just couldn't believe it. I just thought you, I mean, you know, there are times, aren't there, when you're not quite the way you want to be and you can kick a few things under the table or under a bed, but this was just, there was no redemption for this. It was a mess. So the poor woman came in and I made her a cup of tea and she sat at the end of the table and I did explain that we'd had people. And she said, well, I suppose we ought to go and have a look at the upstairs. And I said, well, you're very welcome. <laughs> And as you can imagine, that didn't quite meet the needs. And so she said, don't worry, I shall check the loo and the garden. Well, she was disappointed with the upstairs bathroom because, of course, that was a hullabaloo. And the downstairs had all those paper towels all over the floor. So we went out into the garden where people had all brought their own chairs over the weekend for obvious reasons with COVID. And so they were just sort of strewn all over the garden because a lot of them had forgotten to take them with them. So that looked like the remnants of a festival. So she sat down and she had her cup of tea and she gathered herself and she said, well, I tell you what I could do. I could check your fridge and freezer to see if they're full of healthy food. <laughs> well, at that point, I think she clean gave up and she very sweetly said, well, this is obviously a very warm and friendly home, but I think I'm going to have to come back on another day. So that was it. That was my story from this week. Talk about timing. Well, this week on the podcast, I'm doing something a little bit different. I meet so many amazing parents and I never stop learning from the people that I spend time with. So I thought, let's bring one of you on and let's learn from each other today. So I'm chatting with my friend David, who's married to my friend Karis, and they have four children under seven. So they're really in the thick of it. And sometimes it's just helpful, isn't it, to take a few topics and chew them over 
and glean some helpful hints. So I'm going to ask David about tantrums, about the word no, about pocket money, about the little battles that we have with our children. I'd like to think that we share some parenting values. We prefer consequences to huffing and shouting and yelling and so on. We sew in family values and we use empathy wherever possible. Would you say that's true, David? In our best moments. In our best. That is very true. <laughs> In our worst moments. <laughs> All different things. It unravels quick with four kids. Try five. See you Oh, touche. Come on. Wow. It's always got to be a competition. Isn't yeah. It? I'm not going to try five, by the way. You're not. Just, n- That's no. it now. This is official. It's on a podcast. It's we're, it. we're not going to do five. All right. Yeah, I think Con said that at about three. <laughs> <laughs> But we digress. Yeah. So we are just going to pick some parenting topics. Yeah. Totally unprepared. Yeah. Knowing that we probably agree on the same cultures, but we've probably got a lot to learn from each other. And we're just going to do it live. Knowing that we can edit a lot. <laughs> we can take out anything silly I say and yeah. nothing silly that you say. Brilliant. And that leaves me looking good. I really... That's what I hope. Are you in? I'm in. You're going to enjoy this. You're going to enjoy this. I'm going to love it. So what's our first topic? Uh, well, I'm going straight for tantrums because we're it. we're right in the midst you know. of it now with right. some of our children. Give us the ages. So we've got seven, five, three, and just one with our five-year-olds. A passionate young man, strong sense of justice, and I think we often miss some of that underneath the behaviours. Hang on a minute, mm-hmm. there's something important here that, that I need to make sure I'm hearing mm-hmm. rather than just the behaviour. These manifestations, these these behaviours are often an indication that something underneath, there's an unmet need or there's something. Yeah, that they I don't wanna, come from nowhere, do no, they? No, I want to dig into and there's potential gold under here. But we know that there's the gold worth fighting for in terms mm. of the early stage of who he is, understanding identity, all that stuff. But actually, just at the moment, he, he hasn't got the tools to express himself when he's feeling really frustrated with his sister. Or, um, so give us an example. Uh, a good example would be this morning, we're um, around the table, we're telling a story together, and the point when we've finished our section of the story, we say, boop, and then the next person takes the story on, so we're just having some family time, it gets to Ben, and he doesn't know what to say, but rather than going, I don't want to play this, or I don't know what to say, can someone else have a go, he's like, no, right, and he's just, th- you know, he's, he's moving away from the table, he leaves, tries to make some sort of damage but he's just he's shouting and not happy Mads what should I have done and then I'll tell you what I did <laughs> is that the best way around <laughs> that puts me on the spot doesn't it yeah. what did you do I, I just I let him express himself and so there good. was risk in there because he's throwing stuff around and I'm watching him and I'm aware of the other kids looking to me to see how this is Handled. Who's going to take control here? That's often a, that's an interesting question to, to look at or, or, or to be aware that we're thinking. Mm. Um, and I chose in that moment not to try and take control, to, just to, to see how this played out. And I think we just carried on with the story. And at some point he kind of returned. I said, look, why don't you just say that you didn't, you didn't know what to say? That would be so much easier than throwing things about. And what was the response? non-verbal just kind of I don't know how how to handle this like, mm. I, I, there, there wasn't a an immediate response it's just a hmm I feel like I'm mm. in trouble here he does and such a good sulk face does he 
finding the moments to go, okay, I oh, want to get underneath the bonnet here. It just didn't feel like an underneath the bonnet. Maybe mm. that's a cop out in this moment. But that's a good example of, of what happens. I don't feel like I'm giving him the tools to help. But I do think you're right in that. They can't always have the lesson in the moment, can they? Because no. it's a family time, but you can always come back to it. And you can even put a marker, put a pin in it, as the Americans say, and say, look, I feel that there's something that we could talk about here. Let's chat about that later. What would you have done if he'd have done damage as he was throwing things around? At that point, I would have picked him up and like taken him to his room. Mm. Like Depending on how well I was doing, probably shouted, Ben, you can't do this. This is not appropriate. And just, yeah, just take him up to his room and say, you're having some time. You're here to do some thinking. Mm. Um, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. Mm. What's the right answer? Everyone's waiting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Tantrums. They're tricky, aren't they? I mean, is there a right answer? Do you, do you think that there's the right principle and the answers are different every time? So I think I would draw the line at damage or hurting somebody. Because yeah. I would say we are responsible for making the, the family home safe for everybody. So at the point when that becomes violated, mm. I think I'm with you, I think. But I think you can pick them up and remove them brashly and scream and shout at them. Yeah. Or you can be firm with your actions and your words can be gentle. So and I've, I've done both. Yeah. I've done both of those. And, and, and you can tell one one is just, again, it feels like it gets into the disempowering kind of, I'm just I'm controlling the situation strongly, and I'm I'm out of control. Mm. I I've lost my confidence in this parenting moment, and so I'm just getting angry. Mm. I'm going to try and model peace in this, but you are going to move out of the room. Mm. Um, yeah. I think having gentle words and firm actions was something we had to practice and learn, and. I always thought it was a bit like, you know, when you have to pat your head and rub your tummy or vice versa. Yeah. They just don't go together. Yeah, it's good. But when you practice it, you can actually do it. It mm. is possible. The brain can do both. And in the same way, I think you can use gentle words, like you're saying, if you can take the moment, not lose control, because we've all tried that and it gets nobody anywhere. Or it raises a child with control and then they feel boxed and then you get reactions. And, and so were there, were there times when you didn't feel like you could do that? brilliant trick of coordinating and you removed yourself um i think there were times when we didn't get it right and we apologized afterwards mm. i think that's a really high value for us is going back and saying you know i didn't love that you were throwing things around the room i felt everybody wasn't safe but it wasn't right for me to raise my voice i'm really sorry mm. that i am um, i did that and there were sometimes when we got it right and when you get it right you almost lock it don't you go mm. that works yeah yeah that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be that sort of parent on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and of course, there are times when you remove yourself. But I think when there are other little people involved mm. around, it's very hard to remove yourself because yeah. then you're trusting them in the scenario and it's not fully appropriate. I think the other time is, you know, when they're in a supermarket and they're throwing a tantrum all over the place. That's another time when we found we could scoop them up mm if they were of an age where you could. And whilst our actions were firm, I don't mean harsh, I mean firm, our words were soft. Mm. I know you're upset. Mm. I know there's something we need to talk about here. I'd love to hear how you feel. When we're both calmer, mm. I think we can talk about this, you mm. know, whilst you're sort of <laughs> restraining yeah. them. Gash and I got a really good um, strategy when it came to the whole 
supermarket tantrums. It's just oh, online shopping. Oh online God. shopping. It's <laughs> That's <laughs> cheating. I know. Yeah. I know, but it does... It does Your children uh, just won't know what an aisle looks like. <laughs> they won't know what to choose when they're older. They'll be all no, plummets. We, we have had our fair share of, uh, of moments in, in public spaces. I thought you were going to come up with something really good there. No, come, you I'm must so have sorry. had a public tantrum, not you personally, although you may have done. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to cut down on them. Um, you feel like the whole the spotlight is on you. It's one of those moments where... Well, you wish you'd read Mads's book <laughs> before you got to the. <laughs> I think in those moments we we have the empathy thing, just being able to know, mm. hey, there's something valuable that you're wanting to share, even though you're possibly also being unreasonable about it. But it's remembering the connection between me and my child is more important than me and mm. the guy stacking the shelf or mm. the lady who's walking past and either approves Say or disproves. Or is, so important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I could really do damage to my child's heart in this moment for the sake of my own pride. Pride, yeah. Or I could take this one on the chin and and just camp out here in the in the in the veg section just because i want the long game with my kids and that's easy to say but it's hard to engage with it in the moment and go okay this is really embarrassing and this feels a very dramatic moment but i've already decided before this moment that the connection with my son or my daughter is is what's more important to me and and so actually i'm going to cut out some of the noise that my head is giving me around Mm, perceptions well, yeah perceptions of people and and we're not always kind to ourselves in those moments mm. as, as to how positive those perceptions will be but mm. i just i've just learned that that's less important well done um, and it's interesting you talk about you've thought ahead because i remember one time when you were around here with the kids and karis and one of yours got himself into a bit of a bind about something and bless him he marched off around the corner and I turned around and looked at either your Karis, I can't remember, said, is he okay? And your Karis, as I said, I can't remember, said, yes, we talked to him on the way about what to do when he gets upset. And we gave him strategies. And I just thought, that's fantastic. You totally empowered him, knowing that a clash was going to come when they all wanted to play with the same toy or something. Yeah. And you'd pre-thought about it. I think pre-thinking is powerful. Yeah. But then there are times when... We haven't done the, the, the pre-thinking around a, a, an issue, but we, we kind of log it as, okay, this is a moment where, like we've already said, we're going to have to address this at another point. I think one of the things that I have found really helpful is when you're whispering in their ear or speaking to them in a moment of heightened tension, only own your own stuff. So we avoid words like, you need, you should, you ought to, you shouldn't be. We don't. We avoid all of that. And it's like, I'm finding it hard watching things flying around the, the lounge. I'm worried when the children's going to get hurt. Um, I'm feeling that the kindest thing to do for you right now is to take you to a space where you can think. It's so different from, I need to get you out of here. Your behaviour isn't acceptable. And if You're we, making me cross. You're making me cross, yeah. You can say, I feel frustrated. I, I think we need some space. I think we need some time to talk about this. And just owning your own stuff rather than imposing the problem on them. Mm. It just makes them less defensive. Mm. And actually, in the end, we don't really know what's going on until we've unpacked it. So, I think there's something about it, just leaving a foot in the door in terms of there's still opportunity for you to come back to me on how you've 
what you've processed about this moment. Hmm. Like I'm, I, it's not all been harsh managing the moment. Yeah. Um, and it, I've, I've, I've stonewalled you. We'll need to talk about this, but mm. you, there's a there's a softness about you can return to me at yeah. some point when you figured out yourself. It's not been rhinos at each other. There's, yeah. there's a soft welcome when, when you've got over your fierce feelings. Mm, I think that's really significant. It gives them dignity, gives mm. them a way out. And we can do that, as Con often quotes. He's always quoting movies. Um, Who's evolved is one of his favourite lines. <laughs> That'll be from Night at the Museum. And uh, I think it's his own personal mantra for, right, we're in a moment here, we're head to head. I need a parent. Who's evolved? Nice. Brilliant. Done tantrums. Sorted. What's next? Um, we've got the word no. No. Alrighty. Uh, we've got our three-year-old who's who's definitely finding out there's certain things she wants to do and certain things she doesn't want to do. She's the, the first child that we ended up giving a gag at to, dummy. And we've just kept avoiding trying to tackle that one in terms of night time. So we, we're in a spot now where now she doesn't have gaga, settling her at night is a lot more challenging. And that's often a moment when she's, no, don't want to do this. Don't want to go to bed. Don't want to. Um, and trying to find a way through that that is healthy and helpful. And what have you come up with? <laughs> I think we're understanding a little bit of the environment. We're, we're, we're kind of what, two months, three months into uh, all being a bit more in each other's spaces. Um, mm. With me working at home and homeschooling and different things like that. So um, it does feel like she's been in an environment that has had more emotion and noise to it. Mm. So she's aware of what's some of the, the tantrum-y expressions of emotions from Ben. And I'm finding that actually she's, she, some of it is mimicking behaviour. She's, she's just, she's, there's a defiance that is coming in. So I'm trying to understand what's, what's going on underneath that. Why? Why is that happening? And in some ways, it's healthy, isn't it? They're finding their voice. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting what you're saying about lockdown, because, of course, what would normally be happening is the older children would be at school and there'd be a portion of the day that you or Karis would have the little ones by themselves and they wouldn't be constantly influenced by the behaviour of their older children. They'd get a bit more space, wouldn't they? I mean, I've seen Karis do this where she's asked Amy for something and Amy has said no and you guys have come up with a great solution for that so talk me through that yeah so just just trying to give give them choice in in any conflict moment where there's, there's something that we're trying to have happen and they're they're not wanting it to happen so for example say Amy's gone and, and taken something from from the kitchen helped herself to a snack and she she comes in and I'm like I can either take that from her or I give her the option. Either Amy gives it or Daddy's going to take it. Uh, and we found any time in the past when we've reacted quicker than that and lay, a little bit lazy in our parenting, we've just kind of snatched it, resolved the situation because we're trying to get out of the door. Mm. And it and that's when we get proper, I don't know if it's tantrums, but proper really upset, really mm. upset. And, and I think I just noticed early on in parenting our first that it, it's, and maybe it's because of my own my own reactions reflecting my own feeling of don't take that choice from me mm. hang on a minute I, I wanted to be able to 
make the right choice. Mm. Um, I often have that in, in marriage where, you know, Karis suggests a good thing to do before I've suggested it. I'm like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> I wish that was I'd done my that myself. Yeah, I wish I'd, I wish I'd suggested that we resolve this rather than... And so just, so so we, we, we have found Amy, Amy do it or Daddy's going to do it to be a really helpful, empowering tool. It's so... And it works. It really does. Yeah, and it, when and I was there, she just literally handed it back. I was like, "Wow!" That's, and 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 that's some choices. of that's yeah, some of that's because she's she's felt the force of it not working when when she had the option, and I said, "You you had the choice, and now I've taken I'm mm. taking it." Like so, whether it's she's taken mommy's phone and she wants to look at pictures on it, or Amy give it or Daddy take it because mm. the, the the taking is not nice, and she knows that. Mm. She's experienced and so, that. I've got an option to do the, the thing that's better. And a key part of that is to really celebrate when they make the good choice. Yeah. To celebrate the good choices and go, well done. And I give her a big tickle and a hug. Like, well done. That was such a good choice. Great. You used your power. You, you did the right thing. So celebrating that is a contrast to the feeling of, ah, oh, yes. didn't, I didn't get what I wanted. Had and I also didn't make the good choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And as a parent, that's where I... You know, I mean, you know, the podcast is called The Courageous Mama. I, I just think we're courageous every day. And that is one of the courageous choices is to say, OK, I'm going to let them walk this out. So when you've given them that choice, not to then start counting to three, to then give it to them again, but actually to go, right, this is what this looks like. Yeah. And next time when you hear these words again, I think they'll have an entirely different impact. It's so empowering. Yeah, the, Exactly. If there's no real boundaries, if they don't trust what we say is what we what we do in terms of the consequences of this, then then it just gets very blurry for them, and they're not safe in that, and that's where no, it just it can get really woolly, messy. And yeah. it isn't safe. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. Well, let's end on that note. You've totally agreed with me. I have. <laughs> <laughs> we're at the stage now where we're trying to we want to teach kids the value of money and choices and decisions. I'm wanting them to be able to treat themselves or, or, or think carefully thinking about pocket money but we don't really know where to go with that what have you tried so far what's your modus operandi um so we've we've tried just using proper piggy banks and going okay here's 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 a pound a week and, and they can but to be honest don't tell them this we'll probably give them a pound a month when we remember <laughs> when i've got the change so it's not really it's just it's not it's not been a um, probably bad parenting in, and there's not a consistency about it. It's a thought. So they think, oh, they they know that they can spend some of their pocket money on something, and they've got an idea that they've got about fourteen pounds. But that's from about the last six months. Okay. <laughs> so so we owe them some money. Right. You you're in debt. Yeah, we're in debt to our kids. <laughs> um, but again, you're talking about value of money there, aren't yeah. you? Because if they don't know what they've got, then what's it going to cost them to spend it? I mean, it's such a big topic, isn't it? And I think it's a really important one to discuss. And funny enough, it's one that I do get asked quite regularly when people get to that point where they're obviously thinking about giving some money up. What's that point? Like, I'm presuming you're going to say there's a scale, there's a scale, and it's up to people and families. But hmm. at what at what point? Uh... I think people start thinking about it around six or seven, commonly. Yeah. I actually think the earlier you get in there with the whole money thing the better it is. Obviously not when they're babies, they'll just eat it. But the value of money is a good one. And I think in the end, each family finds their own rhythm and groove. 
and what they're happy with. But what we feel is they don't have to earn everything and they don't get paid for everything. Mm. Those are our two strategies. So we decide on a certain amount of money that feels age appropriate. Like you say, it might be a pound a month or a pound a week. And they also have chores in the house that they do, which are again age appropriate. They don't get paid for their chores. Those things are separate. The money is, I love you, I want to gift you with this, mm. have some fun with it. Which is important. That's one of the things I've just been aware of. Like, yeah, we're not going to pay you for just clearing the table. That's family. Like, yes. it, there's some real blurred lines that can happen. I think that's right. There are blurred lines. And the problem with that is they never see the joy of giving. Mm. They, they only ever experience earning it. Mm. And actually sometimes... I mean, I know my dad was really generous and he loved to give us things. And I want that for my kids, but I also want them to know the value of money. So if they want to earn extra money, if they're saving up for something and there are some chores to be done, um, we will provide chores. There are always things around here that need doing and we are happy to do that. But not until you've contributed your natural amount to family. So, for example, our lot, they clear their bedroom on a by Saturday and they have a room in the house each that they need to do by Saturday. Nice. And if it comes to Saturday and they desperately need some money and they want to earn it, the first question would be, well, have you done your chores that you just contribute? Yeah. And then we can talk about earning money. Very they, good. It's separating chores and earning and money and gifting. Chores, earning, money and gifting. Then they know that there is always earning that can be done and what we did with our first child because he just so loved to spend was we used to have buying day because I didn't want I'm not a big shopper and I didn't want to go to the shops every Saturday and spend that pound now I know some people would part company with that and it is equally valid to say let them spend it and it's gone and then when they watch their brother or sister because they're all so different aren't they yeah saving and getting something better the consequence will be oh my word i should not have spent my money every week i should have saved it so i think they're equally valid Mm. but i found having a buying day just meant that there wasn't this constant pressure on me just because you've got money and it's burning hole in your hand i'm not obliged to run out to the shops with you Mm. so that you can spend it but what happens on buying day that's the the one moment in the month well it was once a quarter actually we were a bit tight wow for those listening (laughs) can we get one of your kids on for a quick moment see how this affected them that'd be interesting um that said you know you might be out and about and there's the ice cream truck and they want one and you might say well you know you have got your money at home um of course you can spend it on that if you like i find that timing helpful because because there's so many things that Bethany would want to spend money on and actually could, you know, could, we could find ourselves with all sorts of tap in the house that we just don't mm. want. Whereas if you, if, if there's a bit longer for them to save up, actually what they could be buying could be of a bit more quality or it's just not as regular that, that they're feeling, oh, it's a buying day, so let me use all my money. Yeah, I think it is helpful and they know and they can look forward to it and it's a date in the diary, so we have a certain, you know, date every three months. And the other thing is, hit and miss, fail and succeed, is to put a certain amount aside for giving, for generosity. Mm. And I think that's been a brilliant thing to do. We haven't always got it right. I'm not um, advertising Monzo, but I am going to say that is 
an account that works intuitively with my brain. So I have a Monzo account and Johnny has his giving box on my Monzo, his pocket money box. So if we're out at the shops, as we were the other day, and he wanted to buy a Frisbee, he can immediately move it from his Monzo box back into my account. So there isn't that conversation a week later of, you owe me three pounds. No, I don't, I paid you that three pounds. Did you, yeah. did you give me that? So I think being really clear with money is helpful. Um, and it's not something we've always found easy to do, but we got better at it as time went on. We had an opportunity recently because because we our church where we go to, we're, we're doing kind of a raising some funds for to give some food parcels out to families in Macedonia, and it just felt like there was there was something concrete that they could give to, that, and 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 because they have pocket money, we could explain to them, not set a kind of amount, but say that, that some some people and their because of what's happening with coronavirus, that they've not got access to the same amount of money. It's actually there's an opportunity for them to, as you say, about giving and, and concern and going. Well, I want to make a difference in, the, in the, this compassion going on as well as as, as that. I, I mm. care about that. And whereas sometimes as as kids, maybe you don't feel like you can change something or the problems that are going on. It, there's something about oh, I can see that that will make a. A benefit I can see that the, there'll be something rich there and so both the kids who get pocket money wanted to to give and there was a little bit of a well I'm gonna give this much well oh, <laughs> can I just give this much is that okay and it's you know just yeah. allowing them to, to to give in their own and it's right you know. isn't it if they if they're encouraged to give but they give out of their own desire because otherwise it's not really giving it's taking isn't it? whereas you want them to feel free yeah and compassionate and so um, did you ever use money like I imagine I want to use money in terms of bringing consequences around, okay, you kicked your football against that window. Um, it's some Maybe it's not accidental, but there's something you've, you've had a tantrum, thrown that and broken that. Mm. Then this, yeah. is, this is part of the consequence. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely make them pay for things that they break. And it feels so harsh because they got cross and threw the remote control against the wall. <laughs> and But it's a lesson. Well, it's just real life, isn't yeah. it? And also, I want them to feel empowered that if something of theirs gets broken, we will stand up for them and that will be replaced by that person. We're not all going to go, ah, you know, accidents happen. And it's not like accidents don't happen and that they you don't have to be uncompassionate in the way that you do it. But I, yes, I think it's really important. And if it's a massive cost, obviously it's more of a contribution. If they break a window and it's 150 quid or something, um, that would be a bit unreasonable. But I would certainly make it hurt. I wouldn't say, well, give me 50p. <laughs> For the next 12 months, yes. <laughs> you're going to be paying yeah. £5. So I think um, that's really important. The other thing is, I think charities these days have been really clever and they've enabled you to know what you're paying for. And I think there's so much more satisfaction in that. I, I mean, actually, on a whole different bunny hole, I would say, do we always need to be satisfied? But that's a whole other question. You know, can we sometimes give to a charity and just trust yeah. that they're using it wisely? But I remember when... Um, a mutual friend Michelle she was putting um, bags together a bunch of people were going off to Africa she was putting cosmetic bags together and so you could literally buy mm. 
um, something to go in the bag. So the children would know, you know, I actually bought, yeah. you know, yeah. X and put it in the bag. Yeah. And that's a feel good factor. Mm. And another one is compassion. So Johnny actually has his own compassion child, which means that he's paying for the education of this child in mm. Africa. So we went up to the race course um, during the races and he stands at his table selling water. And for the first four days, he raises money for his compassion child Luke in Africa and then on the fifth day he raises money for himself which feels fantastic but in the four days he was able to raise enough for the annual costs um, and I think the interesting thing was we said to him how do you want to do it and we had a discussion around the table and some of his bigger brothers and sisters were there and he said well I just want to raise a load of money and cut it in half and one of the others said do you think you can put up a poster saying raising money for my compassion child if you do that? And he said, oh, no, no, that wouldn't be true, would it? And so mm. he worked it out for himself and in the end said, right, I'm going to do four days. And my prayer, of course, was that he would raise enough money on the fifth day that he felt satisfied with mm. the outcome. And, uh, and lo and behold, he did. But then it was um, cup day. <laughs> I know he's chosen the right way around, maybe. Is there, is there more money flowing on cup day? Or there not? was. So he managed. He managed both, and uh, so good. Yeah, and and I think that's okay. I think you know they can enjoy their money, but the question I think I want them to always ask is, is there anyone else that could do with something? Mm. Pocket money, done. Yeah. All right. What's a courageous thing you've done as a parent? Well, I mean, I'm a courageous dadder. <laughs> so I already feel excluded from this podcast um, I think one of the most courageous things that I've done and it, it it's not a real practical graspable but I think it's it's what I've decided not to, to be I, th- I think that the courageous thing is is I'm not going to shape my lives around my children um, tell and, me about that and it, yeah I, I, whether that's a courageous thing but it, it feels like it, it needs courage every day to say I'm you're not gonna you're not the ones leading on this like I love you um but there's some priorities like my marriage that's 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 important um like I'm I'm a person of faith so so my faith is important like um and I'm not going to idolize you Mm. um and and I could really become my children in that strange way you could become my masters I could be a slave to mm. what they want what they think of me what I want to be for them there's a courage in saying there's got to, there's got to be more than just living for my children and that is stirring because you're also saying I'm not always going to give you what you want mm. I might sometimes have to choose what you need above what you want from me yeah and it's not a popularity contest mm. it, it, I want my kids to be happy yeah you know, this story comes to mind that I have um a friend and their marriage didn't work out and he ended up actually having an affair and his mum said well I just want him to be happy Mm. and it was one of those outworkings of something in me that I thought I know that I hear that from parents a lot I just want them to be happy is it my highest goal Mm. and the trouble is if we chase that goal it's not that we don't want them to be happy but if we chase that as a high goal I think actually 
we're doing them an injustice mm. because sometimes the needs of the team have to be greater than the needs of the individual. So that expression that you hear bandied around, you are as happy as your unhappiest child. Mm. Would you agree with that? Uh, no, I feel very weak in that. I'm giving someone else responsibility for how I'm feeling and I'm becoming a victim to whatever else is happening around me rather than someone who is making choices. I've got four children, so at any given moment there can be all sorts of levels of frustration, angst, whatever it is, and yet I need to know that there are places and ways and spaces that I can go to to, to fill my tank, mm. to use an expression, so, so that I can I can get some breathing space and just re-centre myself. Mm. And be a better dad. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got to be able to resource myself in mm. that. And, and if that's always rooted in how comfortable they are or how happy they are or whether there is bliss in the family home i think that's a sh that's shaky ground that's shallow mm. uh, it's not strong enough the tides change too much at any age of, of mm. children in that respect for me to feel safe under that expression wow that got deep what do you think are you as happy as your unhappiest child is that a healthy place to be I loved chatting with David. He's been so generous with his time and with his thoughts. And thank you for joining us too. Would you love to dig into some deeper thoughts about parenting? How to raise children with great self-esteem? How to increase their self-worth and build in them a strong sense of identity? If so, then I think you'll love Parenting for Life. It's a hardback, beautifully illustrated book. You can take a nugget for today and just read one page or a part of one page, or you can go for a whole chapter and just dig into a theme, like belonging. Or you can just read it cover to cover, chapter for chapter. And for my listeners, there's 25% off the retail price. So pop across to my blog and have a look for yourself. The link's in the show notes. I'll see you there. And I'll see you next week.